We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. Let's go ahead and get into Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. I need y'all to match my energy this morning, people. Because, I, like, I'm holding it in. I'm holding it in. But those that know me know that it's going to come out at one point. And, and I need y'all to realize that what's coming out needs to also be received. So if you want a word from God this morning, it's not, it's not me that's giving you this word. This is the Lord's word. His, his, the, the Bible tells us that as the rain comes down and completes its purpose and waters the earth, it will not return back without doing what it's meant to do. Neither will the word of God. Amen. So as we read this today, receive this in your life. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. <laughs> Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Amen. Amen. Can anybody here relate to Martha? Anybody? Raise your hand if you can relate to Martha. I mean, for those that know me, especially my wife, she, she tells me all the time, she's like, you are just, you're very disciplined. You're very structured, almost to a fault sometimes. And, and, and maybe some of you guys know me personally and know that, like, I, I, I like to get up really early in the morning. Sometimes I don't. But for the most part, I get up really early in the morning and I do what I need to do. And, and, and I'm, I try to be structured with my time. I don't like wasting time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I just don't like wasting time. So I can absolutely relate to Martha when we have this plan in our heads of what our day's supposed to be like. Hey, Mary, I'm, I'm sure they had a meeting before Jesus came. Hey, look, this is what we're going to do. Regardless of whether Jesus walks to the door, this is what we're going to do. We're going to clean. We're going to make some food. We're going to have a great time with Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks in, and Mary forgets all that. Mary's like, no, no, I, I, I gotta, there's something that's a little bit more important. See, I can totally relate to Martha, right? She's the planner. She's the doer. Mary's more of the living in the moment, right? She's living in the moment. In fact, Mary should be helping, but she was too busy doing what mattered most. On the other hand, Martha was dealing with a bigger issue herself, and it was not an issue of a messy house or the fact that dinner wasn't ready. It was the issue of control. So that's what I want to talk to you today, because I've come to realize that control is, in fact, an illusion. It is an illusion. We think that we are in control of things in our lives, but in fact, it is the things in our lives that are controlling us. Hear me out now. See, see, Martha thought that she was in control of her home, but her home was in control of her. I need y'all to write this down. The extent to which you allow something to take your eyes away from God is the extent to which it controls you. Please write that down. Please write that down. It is the extent to which it controls you. See, there's a difference between controlling your circumstances and having self-control. Hear me out now. Because, in fact, often we can't control what happens to us, but we are called to control how we respond to those things. In, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love. And what? Self-control. And self-control. 
See, this means that we choose to not fear or worry about what's happening around us, but instead we choose to respond in faith. It is a choice. Somebody say choice. It is a choice that we have to make. But where does this need to control thing actually comes from? See, control is just a response. It is just a response. The real problem is our lack of trust in God. Our lack of trust in God. Jeremiah chapter 17 Verse 7, it says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. See, we say we trust God, but really it's just to a certain extent. I think this one's really hot right here, guys, in the back. This monitor is really, really hot. We say we trust God, but really we do so only to a certain extent. When things begin to go in a direction that we did not plan, we pull back control. Anybody remember doing uh, on-roads, maybe at one point in your life, you're 16, 17, maybe, maybe in your time, they didn't have them. I don't know, to be honest. That's not an insult, by the way. I really don't know. But when I was 16, I remember I had to do on-roads. I had to go and, uh, you know, do some, some, some driving with somebody that was telling me what to do. And I remember on my very first on-road, right, when I was trying to get my driver's license, my very first one, I was so confident to the point where I was driving with one hand. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, I relax. Relax, guys. I'm, I'm still here. Okay, and so is the driving instructor. Um, but, but I was driving with one hand, and, and because, it's because the guy told me, you know, hey, just do whatever you feel comfortable. I said, bet, I will. Okay, cool. Like, I'm just going to drive with one hand. So I was driving, and all of a sudden, there was a blind spot that I did not see. And as I was taking a left turn, I was flying. I mean, I was going probably 45, turning, by the way, turning, 45, on like a back road. So I was turning, and the driver instructor, he had this, have you guys seen like the, these cars have like a brake on the passenger side? That dude hit the brake so hard. My body jerked. I thought I had whiplash. Like my neck, my neck slapped back and forth a little bit. And, and I looked at him. I was like, what? He's like, you don't see what's coming your way. You can't turn at 45 miles per hour. He gave me a little speech. But the reason I tell you this story is because for a second, I need you to put yourself in that car. But the problem is that we are in the passenger seat where the instructor was, and we're the learner. And God is the one driving the car as the expert. And we're the one pulling the brakes on God, saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. How many times have you allowed God to take you for a ride? God, you take the, you know, Jesus take the wheel, right? God, take the wheel of my life. And all of a sudden, things start to go in the opposite direction that you plan for them to go. And then you pull the brakes back. God, you don't know what you're doing. I'm taking back control. And, and that's, in fact, how we live because we don't trust God. We need to surrender control over to God. But keep in mind this. Surrendering control is not the same as being lazy. Hear me out now. It is not the same as being lazy. Many people fold their arms and say, let it be God's will. Even though God is in control, you still have free will. And your decisions have an impact. A good or a bad consequence. I have youth come up to me all the time and it's like, Pastor Marco, if God is, you know, if he knows what's going to happen, if he's in control, then I'm just going to live my life and let God do what he does best. And I say, that's, that's great. You're going to end up exactly where you're supposed to be if you choose to not live and make decisions according to God's plan for your life. It requires you to take steps. See, when we give God control, we surrender our plans and allow him to direct our steps. But we need to take the steps in order for that to happen. Right? Proverbs 16 verse 9, it says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You've got to have a plan. And you've got to take some steps 
in order for God to lead you. So how do we surrender control over to God? I'm so excited for this. I hope you're taking notes. Number one, we recognize God's authority. We recognize God's authority. Newsflash, you were never in control to begin with. Hello. <laughs> you're not. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry to tell you, you're not in control. You're just not in control. And I know that this is hard to admit, but listen to what Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says. This is really important. And we know that God causes everything, somebody say everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to whose purpose? His purpose. Not my purpose, His purpose. Those that are called according to His purpose. Let me ask you this. Have you ever planned something? You had this great plan in your head of what it was going to be like. You had this great idea of what this day or this situation was going to turn out to be like. And then it just completely flopped. You know what I'm talking about? You know, uh, Valentine's Day just happened. And this is the first year that really we got to celebrate with my daughter, Hannah. She's a year and a half. And Pastor Jordan and I were so excited. We we're like, we're going to take her out to eat. We're going to buy her. I bought her a rose. And for some reason, it's still, it's so dead, but it's still at the house. And we just have it there just for show. But, but I was like, you know, we're going to go all out. We're going to dress her up. We're going to do all this. She looked adorable. So we take her out to dinner. And in my mind, I'm thinking, this is going to go amazing. <laughs> and, and by the way, I was like, you know what? We're going at 6, or it was like 5.36, because no one's going to be there at that point. And then we walk in, and it's packed. It's completely packed. This is a, this, like, it's a pretty decent restaurant. And it just kept filling in and filling in and filling in. At first, we walked in. We're like, okay, we might be able to do this. And then all of a sudden, just every single table is full. And, and, and we start, I'm not going to lie, we start panicking a little bit. And, and uh, listen, I have to be honest with you. A lot of parents get shamed for this. And I think I was one of those people that before I was a father, I was like, I will never give my kid a screen when they're misbehaving. Never. I would never. Are you kidding me? Because I didn't grow up with that, right? Like, I grew up with one of these. That's how, that's how, that's how, and my mom's here too, so. But that's how I grew up. So, now, mind you, when you are in a restaurant and it's valentine's day and people are paying to be sitting next to you so that they can enjoy a nice meal i'm gonna do whatever i need to do to keep my girl quiet <laughs> so of course she did watch a little encanto uh during this dinner that we had which is a great movie by the way if you haven't watched it make sure you go and watch it but the reason i tell you this story is because is because sometimes we plan things to go a certain way and then when they don't go according to what we plan, we take back control. And we get frustrated not only with God, but with the people that are involved in the situation. And we start to point fingers and say, it's your fault and it's your fault. And if only you did this and if only you did that. But let me tell you something. Life doesn't always go as you planned it. Life doesn't always go as you planned it. God's word, see, this is what's crazy. I thought my daughter was predictable. <laughs> like, I thought my one and a half year old was predictable. I thought... I thought, you do great at home, you're going to do great at a restaurant. That was my, my, my thought process. Of course, that didn't go how I planned it. But, but God, his word is predictable. Meaning God will never go against what he's already spoken in his word. He will never go against his word. But God's timing and God's methods are not predictable. And a lot of times we look to God to send something to us in a certain way at a certain time. And if it doesn't happen the way that we planned it, all of a sudden, God is not good. But is it possible 
that it is our false expectation that is causing us to have this warped idea of who God actually is. Is it possible that it's not God and it's in fact us? I think it might be us, people. See, this is a funny and silly example that I tell you guys the story of my daughter, but I'm referring to also more serious situations, right? Because I know people that, you know, have been believing for years for, 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 to, to be able to have a child with the love of their lives, and then all of a sudden years have gone by, and the love of their lives is not coming into the picture, and the child is not happening, and you're dealing with infertility, or, or you've been praying and believing for, for your children, and you, you, in fact, you, you sowed the seeds in your children as they were growing up, and you did your best, the best that you could to sow the seeds and to raise them in the way that they should go. But now they're running away from God. See, you had this plan and you had this idea in your head of what it was going to be like. And you did all that you could do, but it did not go as planned. Let me remind you of something. God has a bigger lens than you know. God is looking at it from a different perspective. God is working today. I know that it doesn't seem like it, y'all. I know that what you see is the opposite of what you've been praying for, but we do not live based on what we see, but based on what we believe. That is faith. We do not live based on sight. Let me tell you, God's lens is bigger than you think, and he knows why things happen, when they happen, and how they happen. There is purpose in all that God does. The problem is we often get in the way of God's plan out of frustration and impatience. At least we think we can, right? I love the story of Moses when he's in the wilderness, in the desert with, with the Israelites. And for the second time, they're asking him for water. They need water. They need water. And the first time when they needed water, God said, Moses, go and find this rock and hit this rock with your staff and water will begin to flow out of it. And that was a representation of Jesus who was the rock, right? And, and how in the scriptures it talks about that out of Jesus flows living water like rivers. And, and, and so this was meant to be a representation of that. So the second time that the Israelites ask Moses to get them water, Moses goes to God and God says, speak to the rock and water will flow out of the rock. But out of his frustration with the situation, he does what he thinks is best and smacks the rock. And water, of course, begins to flow out of the rock, but this was not God's plan. Now, what's incredible in this story is that if if you've read the story of Moses, after he did this, God tells him, you will not enter the promised land. This doesn't mean that the Israelites won't enter the promised land. It doesn't mean that his plan won't come to pass. God's plan will come to pass with or without you. It's up to you to line up to his plan. And his plan came to pass through Joshua. You can read all about this in, 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 in the book of, of Exodus and Numbers. And, but, but what's incredible in this story is that we see Moses disobeying God, choosing to disobey God out of frustration and taking back control. Man, I'm telling you right now, there's so many times where I've been tempted to take back control of my life because I didn't think they were going, things were going the way that I planned for them to go. And I'm so glad I didn't. Because if I did what I wanted to do, whoo! Line up yourself to God's plan. God's plan is going to come to pass with or without you. When you understand you are truly not in control, you're able to let go of the illusion of it. Then we can hold on to God's plan and purpose. Let me remind you of this scripture. 
for those that I've been praying and believing for things to go a certain way like I talked about earlier. You've been sowing the seed for years and things don't seem to be going your way. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, it says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Do not give up on your prayer request. Do not give up on your prayers. Do not give up on the things that you've been believing for because God is still at work. I've, I've, man, I've heard the craziest stories. I love community groups, by the way. If you're not in a community group or if you're not part of a group of, of, of just believers and you're not gathering you're not, and you're not having real conversations with people, man, you need to start talking to some people because the, the testimonies that you'll hear from people will encourage you and remind you of God's goodness. And I've heard some stories about God coming through 10, 15, 20, 30 years later when people least expected it, God came through. Amen. So number one, recognize God's authority. Number two, know your capacity. Please write these down, y'all, because I'm telling you it's going to help you. See, often we carry a burden that was not meant for us to carry alone. Hello. Our thought is, if not me, then who? Right? I hear, I hear this all the time. In fact, I hear it in the church. If not me, then who? If I don't do it, who's going to do it? Right? I, I need to put myself out there. Now, I get this. This, to an extent, is, in fact, a healthy uh, uh, character trait. You know, you, th this, is, this is healthy to an extent. It is healthy to the extent where now you start doing things that God never called you to do. And you start blaming God and other people for the stress you've put on yourself. Stop blaming God for self-inflicted worry. Come on. God never called you to do that. God never called you to carry that weight. But all of a sudden, you've put this on yourself and you're blaming God for it. And sometimes we try to say, well, it's ministry. So of course I have to do it. Let me tell you, I'm getting ahead of myself. But too many times I hear people say, man, I'm getting burned out. I'm getting burned out. And, and there's two things there. Is one is, what is your source? Right? Because if your source is yourself or the praise of men and women, then, then you're going to get burnt out for sure. But if your source is God, and you're only looking for praises from God, you're only looking to honor God, then that's a different story. But secondly, are you doing things that other people were called to do? Are you limiting people in your life because you're taking on too much? I'm going to talk about that in a second. But Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If God's yoke is easy and his burden is light, is it possible that you're carrying things that God never gave you? Is it possible that you're carrying some things that you have put on yourself? See, Jesus never told Martha to clean the house to make him dinner. You know, I think, of course, maybe at the time there was an expectation and the Bible doesn't talk about that, right? But I'm sure there was an expectation. But what's crazy to me is the fact that Jesus was already in the room and he's literally looking at her just going back and forth, back and forth, making dinner. And he's like, I'm already here. Like, I, I, I see this. I'm already here. But yet Martha was so busy with so many other things that she was missing the point. Write this down. Jesus was not looking for her attention. Oh, Jesus was looking for her attention, not her attention to detail. And sometimes we get so caught up in the details that we forget about the big picture of what's happening in our lives. See, sometimes it's not that we carry too much, but that we carry too much alone. You know, I can, I can speak to that in my own life as a pastor. A lot of times 
we like to take on a lot because we have a vision and an idea of what things are supposed to be like. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves exhausted, literally burned out because we're doing things that God gave us people to do. That God literally, God gave us a team of incredible leaders to take on responsibility and we're supposed to make disciples of them, but also grow them into the leaders that God had called them to be. But I was too busy with the idea and the vision that I had in my head to actually let go of the burden. And I had people reaching out to me saying, hey, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And in my head, I'm thinking, nothing. Because I have this idea in my head, and I want it to be this specific way. And, and if it can't be this way, then I'd rather no one do it at all. And that is one of the most unhealthy places to be in life. I'm speaking to some parents here today. It's time to start giving your children some things to do around the house. It's time for, for a, it's, it's time for in your marriage to start doing some things for one another. Start serving each other. It's time for things to not be so off balance in your life. And it's time for you to start recognizing the people that God has put into your life to carry this weight with you. You're not meant to do this alone. I don't know what it is you're carrying today, but you think that you're the only one that is supposed to be carrying this weight. That's not true. That's not true. God has put people in your life to help you. The Bible says we carry each other's burden. Church, it is time to carry each other's burdens. And as I finish up with my last point, how do we let go of control? We accept God's peace. We accept God's peace. See, I believe that most people that are seeking control don't actually want control. In fact, when they get control, they get stressed out. I believe that what people are really looking for is peace. But we're looking for it in all the wrong places. See, peace does not come from our circumstances all of a sudden changing or finishing our to-do list, but rather from God. The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, real peace, the one that surpasses all understanding, comes directly from God. God's peace is given, but it's not always accepted. See, this is a gift that God is giving to you and to me. But a lot of times we choose to not accept this gift because we think we know how to get some peace. We think that just because we've read enough uh, self-help books that we know how to get peace. We think that just because we make our bed in the morning, that's what's going to give us peace. We think that just because we do all these things and finish our to-do list and our kids are behaving well, that that's what's going to give us peace. But let me tell you, your circumstances can be perfect and you can be hurting on the inside if you don't have God's peace inside of you. God's peace is given, but it's not always accepted. In order to receive it, you must put down your idea of peace. You gotta put down your idea of peace. When we realize that our peace comes from God, we no longer rely on the world to bring us this peace. See, Jesus, he modeled the idea of peace so well in Matthew. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. It says this, the disciples and Jesus got into the boat and said, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake 
So the wave swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. <laughs> That's great. That's me. I'd probably be on a boat in the middle of a storm. I'd be out. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. You know what's crazy in this story? Is that the disciples thought that peace was going to come from the storm calming down. They thought that if the storm would just relax a little bit and, and the waters would calm down, that then they would get peace. But what's amazing in this story is that even in the middle of the storm, Jesus was napping. Jesus was sleeping. And so many times we are yelling at God, God, don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see what I'm struggling with? Don't you see that I'm hurting? Don't you see that, that all these things are going on in my life? And Jesus is napping. Figuratively. We are so worried and stressed with the things of life that God is sleeping through, y'all. And that's not to say he's disregarding your situation or, or, or what you're going through or what you're feeling, but it is to say that God is modeling, and Jesus in this story is modeling the example of peace, the peace that you and I need to, need to have in our lives. When, when things are going all the wrong ways, when it feels like our lives are literally falling apart, when we pray for something and the opposite happens, when those situations take place, you need to rest in the knowledge that God is still in control. And that's the real peace, y'all. That's the peace that you and I have access to, but rarely do we actually accept. Rarely do we actually walk in because we're so concerned with the worries and the stresses of today that we think we can fix them with these. But it is, in these, it is with these that we need to surrender our lives to God and realize that he's the one that's hitting control. And that's how we, that's how we actually experience the peace of God. Let me remind you of something. For those that are so worried about their situations, for those that are so worried about the situations of their children or their husbands or their wives or, or whatever it is that's going on, let me tell you this. God cares more about you than you care about yourself. God cares more about your children than you care about them. God cares more about your husband or your wife than you care about them. So if God is truly in control, then we can surrender that individual and this situation to God knowing that God cares for us. So I don't need to worry. Lord, I cast it at your feet. Y'all, you, you've heard that scripture. Cast your anxieties at God's feet because he cares about you. You know what casting means? It means to throw. But a lot of times we throw it like it's a fishing rod. We throw it and we bring it right back. There you go, God. Hey, today, here you go. Now it's right back. Lord, here you go. Uh, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I just got that phone call, God. I'm stressed again. Ah, right, here you go, Lord. Just kidding. Things started to go the opposite way again, Lord. And what if we actually just cast our anxieties to the Lord? No strings attached. And we say, God, I'm tired. God, I'm just tired. God, I'm tired of what's going on in my life. I'm tired of trying to keep everything together. I'm trying to hold on. I'm tired of, of holding on to control. I'm tired of thinking that I know what's best, Lord, I am just tired. So God, in this moment, I just cast my anxieties to you. You know what it is, Lord. You know what's going on in my home. 
You know what's going on in my job. You know what's going on in my mind, Lord. So God, I cast my anxieties to you because I can't do it. We hope you have enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.